Today on the Goal USA podcast, Ivis Gorsup stops by. We talk about the U.S., Mexico, and Costa Rica. Are the Ticos our favorite to lift the Gold Cup for the first time? And we also take a look at some of the teams who could surprise and others who could disappoint in this totally non-disappointing episode of the Goal USA podcast. Well, hey everyone, it's the Gold USA podcast. We're here to do a little Gold Cup preview, and who better to join me, John Arnold, than Ivis Gorsup in Jersey? What's up, Ivis? Hey John, how's it going? I, are you proud of me that I didn't say you're in New York this time? I always say you're in New York, and you never. Yeah, are. you finally learned. Actually, I'm in Brooklyn today. No, I'm just kidding. Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> I don't even know where <laughs> no, Brooklyn is. I was over at Red Bull Arena today, actually, uh, picking up my Gold Cup credentials. Yeah. So uh, everything kicks off tomorrow night. Tis the season. Let's start there, Ivis. Tomorrow night, uh, it's French Guiana against Canada, Honduras against Costa Rica. The first doubleheader of the tournament is Group A. Gets us started. This is a fun group, I think, Ivis. You know, when I look at this, you have Honduras and Costa Rica, both teams who, who have a lot of hunger heading into this tournament. And you have Canada, a team that in the last two tournaments hasn't scored a goal. They have a new coach, Octavio Zambrano, who I, I spoke with. You can check out the interview on goal. Uh, he, he's really high on the future of the team. The president of the team, I think he is cautiously optimistic, but not necessarily saying that, you know, they're going to uh, win the group. But he does want to get to the knockout stage. And then there's French Guiana. An interesting story emerging there tonight, Ivis. Uh, Flora Maluda. The former Chelsea player, former France international, went to two World Cups with France, was on that squad and will not be allowed to play. I spoke with a CONCACAF spokesperson who confirmed that uh, he's ineligible. If French Guiana fields him, as uh, they've sort of kind of not threatened, but they've said they might, uh, it's their first ever CONCACAF tournament. I think they might just say whatever, uh, toss a guy out there, <laughs> maybe try and get a result. And, and then, you know, they leave with three games forfeited. But at the same time, you know, they, they can say, look how well we played. It's a weird situation, Ivis. So let, let's start there and then look at Group A in, in, in general. What, what do you think about the whole, uh, you know, a 37-year-old guy who played for France, born in French Guiana? He's not eligible to play. Yeah, I mean, the fact that he's already represented France in major competitions, i.e. the World Cup, I, I think that you can't you can't let a player play for another country after they've already done that. It's one thing if they played in friendlies, mm-hmm. like someone like a Jermaine Jones who played in friendlies for Germany. That's a little different. But when you've played in a World Cup, yeah. or another team's crest and uniform in a World Cup, that's it. You're tied to that team for life. So I, I don't have a problem with that. I, I do have a problem with Kaka Kaplan right. get to this point, obviously. I, yeah, I don't. I, it's a to, my my issue with it is that it's a departure from the previous way that they used to handle this. The French Guiana, Martinique, Guadeloupe. These are countries that are, are full Concacaf members now, but are, are not FIFA members. And so the rule previously was that after five years, after representing a country, almost always France, you were eligible to represent uh, one of those Concacaf members in the Gold Cup. That changed, and it wasn't exactly announced ever it's just sort of a thing that changed in the rules and the fact that he was allowed to be on this squad to me i i, I don't know how you let that happen if you're concacaf I, i'm not happy with the administration i was looking at the group overall i wrote a column uh, saying that costa rica for me is not only the favorite to win this group but maybe one of the favorites to win the tournament they're not uh, they're without kayla navas and celsa borges but, but that sort of pales in comparison to the absences that the u.s has that mexico has uh, am, am I boosting the Ticos too hard, Ivis? Actually, I agree with you. I think if you look at the, the team that they brought and the experience that that group has, I think they're the, it's the most experienced group in this tournament. Obviously, we know Mexico has a B team. The U.S. has clearly has a B team. Things can change a little bit in the knockouts depending on who people bring. I mean, if the U.S. brings in mm-hmm. all of their mm-hmm. veterans, then that closes the gap. But just looking at the 23-man rosters right now, that Costa Rica team is pretty good. And, uh, you know, Honduras obviously isn't at full strength either. 
but they have they have some nice weapons there. I'm looking forward to that match. Uh, I'm planning on being there for that second second uh, the second game in that doubleheader, and and I think they, those two teams are going to really go at each other in what could be one of the more entertaining uh, matches of the group stage. You're just going to stroll in at, at after the first game. You're going to skip French Guiana Canada. I, I, you know, I'm debating it. I'll see. Come on, no, you man. know what? No, no. I, I'll tell you what. I've been at Red Bull for this very because Red Bull Arena is is hosted. Uh, the, this, this, I feel like the same kind of group before, and those games are like the most fun games, right? Mm-hmm. Because these teams just thought, you know, they, they have nothing to lose, and they're just going at each other. There's none of this bunkering. They're just gonna just attack each other. So I think both games are gonna be good games. I actually do want to see Canada, mm-hmm. uh, see my man Octavio Zambrano. Uh, interestingly enough, the former Metro Stars coach, now coming back and uh, coming to Red Bull Arena. He never managed there, but. Uh, you know, coming to Red Bull Arena with a team, a Canada team that I, I actually think they have some interesting talent there. You lose Kyle Aaron, that's tough, mm-hmm. obviously, but they have a ton of talent, uh, MLS-based talent. You have the youngster Alfonso Vid Davies, you have Toussaint Ricketts, Anthony Jackson Hamel from the Impact, uh, Raheem Edwards, TFC. We all we know all these guys. I think they're going to have a good attack, and, and they definitely can get out of that group and get to the knockout rounds. Lucas Cavallini from uh, Uruguay, the, the Uruguayan, uh, well, Canadian Uruguayan forward, uh, also going to be interesting. I think a lot of the burden falls to him to score, although that midfield has plenty of weapons, like you mentioned, Ivis. Uh, it, it's an interesting group. I, I don't love Honduras right now. I talked to Manuel Figueroa about how they're going to try and kind of put World Cup qualification behind them, focus on this tournament. They were able to do it with the Central American Cup, but uh, I, I'm not so sure they're going to be able to, uh, to have a good performance in this tournament. Let's take a look now at uh, Group B, the United States and Panama. After that, the quality drops off significantly, Ivis. Martinique uh, was not able to win the Caribbean Cup on their home soil. Nicaragua, happy to be here. Uh, a dramatic qualification in that playoff against Haiti. They'll be without Juan Barrera and a couple other players in that first game because of some yellow cards in that game. Uh, so th- that game between Nicaragua and Martinique could be for the maybe third place stage. But the U.S. and Panama, the clear favorites. Ivis ha- handicapped the U.S. for us. Uh, it was good. The friendlies, the preparation. This is a team that looks like it's uh, pretty solid, even though some of the biggest names are sitting at home resting. I tell you, I like what I saw from them against Ghana in that game. And obviously, it's just a friendly. They were playing a shorthanded and tired Ghana team. But I still like what I saw from the midfield and obviously from Dom Dwyer. If he, if it, just with the talent that they have on that roster, I think they can definitely get a, a win this group. People need to realize this is not this is not the same old Panama team. They don't have that nucleus that I feel like has been in every every Gold Cup since 05. Uh, there's no Blas Perez. There's no Jaime Pinedo. There's no Felipe Baloy. Like all like most of these guys are gone now. I mean, it, it's it's really a new generation. I mean, Gab- looking at the roster, I mean, Gabriel Gomez is kind of one is kind of the one real holdover of the past groups. And and uh, for me, I mean, I like the U.S.'s chances against them. And mm-hmm. it's a little disappointing, not disappointing, but. Uh, it, it makes you like kind of nostalgic for the old battles because Panama and the U.S. are are they play each other every Gold Cup? It's it, whether it's group stage or the knockout round or even in the occasional final. A couple they played in 05 and uh, was it 13 final as well? So you know it, it's it's I, it makes you miss those days when Panama really had a team that could cause some problems with you. 2011 was the year where they played in the group stage and then saw each other again in, in the quarterfinals, I think it was. or maybe No, it was the semifinals. That was that game where Freddie Adu came in and, and really changed things, helped the U.S. get in. Uh, I, I, I personally don't have a problem with Panama's doing. I, I think that if you're Bolillo Gomez, you look and you say, look, I, I got a couple guys who are 37, 36, you know, who probably don't need to be putting any more mileage on their legs before those right. World Cup qualifiers. I mean, that's the top priority. But, but I hear you, you know, and maybe this is a chance to 
to give us some new battles. You know, maybe Kellen Acosta versus Edgar Barcenas is is, is the new, uh, you know, Blas <laughs> Perez versus Gucci on you. I don't know, man. Yeah, I mean, I, it's, no, I don't. I trust me. I don't. I don't blame uh, Panama for 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 blooding a new generation. You kind of have to do it. I just, it, it's almost like you, you don't realize what you had until, until it's oh gone. Oh my gosh, and, man! And, you're like looking at old pictures of Panama. You get like a Blas Perez on your phone. You're sort of stroking. Uh, oh. Listen, some of these ga- some of those games were some great games, and Panama used to give give the U.S. hell, right? I mean, I you know the 05 final, like went the penalty kicks and. Uh, the, the the 07 quarterfinals, I still remember talking to Blaise Perez after that, and they felt like they should have beat them that day. Uh, but again, you know, generations come and generations go. And, and the one thing about the U.S. is, and where they have obviously, I think, an advantage is the depth that the U.S. has in their player pool. They go to their B team and their C team. They, ha- they have more talent now. They have quality players. Mm-hmm. Panama is starting to scrape a little now with this young and inexperienced group. They have some talent, but... I think the U.S. is going to be clearly ahead of them in this matchup. Tell me about some of that talent, because I know you're writing about some players who we could see break out in this Gold Cup. Maybe players who who have seen some time with the you know sort of eight group for the United States, but but could really put a stamp, really uh, you know claim a spot and, and and show Bruce Arena, hey, I can do it at the top level. I can do it against international competition. Put me in on the qualification roster. Consider me for the Gold Cup. Who who are some guys that you're watching? Well, I mean, right off the bat, I mean, I think Joe Corona with. Uh, the year he had at Club Tijuana and just him developing like the overall game. I mean, he's not a new face. He was part of the group before, but I feel like he's 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 peaking right now in terms of his level. And it's clear Bruce Arena likes the attacking qualities that he brings. And I know when the roster came out, the, the, one of the questions people had was, well, where's the creativity? Where are the playmakers? Everyone's wondering where, where you know, Benny Philhaber, Sasha Kleschen, those type of number 10s are. Uh, Joe Corona's not your classic number 10, mm-hmm. but he's very skilled. Uh, and he can give you that kind of box-to-box work, but he can handle the number 10 role. I want to see him play. Uh, I want to see if Matt Miazga gets a run out. Obviously, you know, he, he since he's left the Red Bulls, we haven't been able to see much of him in Europe. Obviously, playing at Vitesse, you know, you don't get to see much of Vitesse on TV. So you, you wonder how he's come along. And, and what from what I've heard in camp is that he's definitely filled out. He's definitely improved ta- uh, from a technical standpoint. So, We'll see if he can break in there. It's a little tough, though. The center backs in this group are very good. I mean, Omar Gonzalez, uh, Matt Hedges, Matt Beasler. So we'll see if Bruce Arena gets him in there. So he's another one I'm looking for. Paul Ariola, a guy who coming off of a, what I thought was a good showing at Azteca. Uh, he's a guy who I think is now another one who off the year he had at Tijuana. You want to see him build on that. And I think he's going to have an opportunity on this in this particular group to really show what he can do in the attack. It's interesting. You mentioned this particular group, and I wonder what the play is for the U.S. because clearly the first game is sort of the big one. The one we talked about Panama and the skill, and and even though it's a depth team, they've got some weapons. Uh, but then you play Marnique and then Nicaragua. I mean, the U.S. has been. Uh, it, it's foolishly, I think, taken teams in the Gold Cup group stage. Uh, not that seriously in the past. That's not a mistake you'd expect a Bruce Arena team to make, especially a group of kids who are hungry and, and want to get through. But but what's the play here? You think we'll see a, a fair amount of rotations, not only from the group stage to the knockout rounds, but also maybe uh, some different faces in those three games? I think you're going to see a rotation. I mean, I, th- I think you have to when, when you're talking about three games in a week. Uh, the question is, does, does Arena put in a bunch of new guys in the second game, a la Juan Carlos Osorio at Confederations Cup, or do you go with the same group the first two games, and then for the third game, you know, hopefully you've locked up the group, and then you can go to Cleveland and, and put out a, a second unit. 
but I do think he's going to – I think you're going to see all these guys at some point, at one point or another. And it is disappointing that Kenny Saif uh, suffered an injury. We won't get to see what he can bring to the table. But uh, that's just going to create more of an opportunity for some of these other midfielders. A guy like Kellen Rowe, who I thought showed well against Ghana, I, I really am interested to see what he brings to the table. So uh, there will be rotation. And there's also the question of how much – of an, how many of those spots for the knockout rounds will Bruce Serena go with? Now, if this midfield and this group clicks like we saw them do against Ghana, maybe Bruce Serena just sticks with them, most of them, uh, for the knockouts and, and see if they can win the whole thing. It's going to be fascinating. That's July 8th, uh, Saturday. The United States kicks off against Panama. And then, ooh, I bet a lot of fans in Nashville are going to stick around for that nightcap Martinique, Nicaragua. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, let's take a look at Group C, where uh, Mexico is playing the late game in all three game, uh, doubleheaders. Uh, it's Mexico, El Salvador, Curacao, the current champion of the Caribbean, and Jamaica, the current non-champion of the Caribbean. Uh, for me, Ivis, this is this is a group that Mexico, it's a B team all the way, although I, while I was looking at the CONCACAF Gold Cup rules to do that Maluda story, I noticed that if you refer to that in print, if you like put out a press release or a, or a, you know a, a write a story on your official website that says, like, we're sending a B team, that's against the CONCACAF rules. So don't expect Mexico to say <laughs> it, but it's a B team. I'm telling you, I'm your, you know, John Arnold, your honest friend, is telling you this is not the best group. Their best team was in Russia. Still, this is not a group that I think Mexico will have too much trouble with. But after the group stage, Ivis, Mexico always has to be considered a, a favorite in a CONCACAF tournament. But we saw how porous Mexico's defense was in Russia. Now the issue for this team is you got a lot of guys who are decent in defense. A Cesar Montes who plays at Monterrey looking for his first cap. A big center back who can help in the attack. Jair Pereira, Chivas veteran, getting an opportunity with a national team that's been you know missing for a long time. Hugo Ayala from Tigres. I think the back is going to be fine. It's up front where Alan Pulido has his arm broken. And Cubo Torres. Uh, red hot with a dynamo, but can he do it on the international level? It's going to be his first minutes with Mexico since uh, that 2015 friendly against the United States in San Antonio. And look, I think there's a lot of pressure on Kubo because if he doesn't score, there's really no other true central forward. And I think Mexico wants to play a 4-3-3. They want to play that style that Osorio likes. Um, you know, we will see uh, Angel Sepulveda, Martin Barragan, the, the Atlas forward who moved in the Caxa in the offseason, but this is a team, Ivis, that's going to have some trouble scoring goals against good defenses, I think, unless Kubo breaks through on the international level. You, you see Kubo a lot. Do you think he can do it? Is, is he the kind of guy who's going to be able to score several goals in this Gold Cup? I think so. I mean, I really think he's a guy who, you know, if you get him the service, he will score. And uh, I think everyone's still a little stuck on, the, on that stretch of his career where he clearly struggled, right? He clearly went through a bad patch in his career, but now he's kind of been rejuvenated. He's playing with uh, Wilma Cabrera again. He's playing in an attack with that that, that provides service, and he, and he, and he definitely uh, converts that service. Uh, the guy I want to see play, it, 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 and I, I'm sure you're he's on your list too, is Burrito. Uh, Burrito Hernandez, I think he's the guy who, you know, we saw the, I saw the friendly in the at MetLife against Ireland, and he was the man of the match there, and, and, and Juan Carlos Soria has definitely spoken highly of him. So I think he's a guy I'm looking forward to see. But listen, Mexico is going to be in the final. Let's make that clear. Costa Rica and U.S. is probably the semifinal. Mexico has a red carpet to the final. No offense to the other teams in this tournament, but the way it's been laid out, they have, a, they have an easy group they're going to win. Uh, their quarterfinal matchups not going to be that tough, and their semifinal matchups, you know, marginal. So they, but if anything but the final is going to be a disappointment for them, I'm not going to say they they absolutely have to win this tournament. Mm -hmm. 
But if they're not in the final, then something's gone terribly wrong with this group. Yeah, I think so. I mean, if something does go terribly wrong, like I said, I mean, I think it's the attack because the defense, you know, that's another thing I'll be watching because Mexico's uh, outside backs, they have Miguel Layun, who's great, made a couple errors uh, in that very last game, that third place game against Portugal, but uh, a, a regular and, you know, more comfortable left back, but he had to play right back at the end of that tournament because there's just no other options for Mexico. Jesus Gallardo, who normally plays on the wing for Pumas, he's sort of been converted in the national team setup as a left back that played the last few games there. We'll see how his progression continues to go, almost like a, a Graham Zussi situation, except with a younger, uh, more dynamic player uh, than Zussi is. I think he, you know, provides a lot more going forward for Mexico. And not to say Zussi doesn't provide for the U.S., but uh, someone to watch. And then on the right side, uh, Shaka Rodriguez from Tigres. He's only 20. He's been around Mexican soccer for a long time, but uh, he, he gets converted to right back by Tigres. He kind of wins a spot there in Tuca Ferretti's, you know, tough, staunch back line. And, and he's maybe an option, you know, in the qualification and maybe sneaks on the World Cup roster because there's just a lack of anyone who can really play outside. You mentioned Borrito Hernandez, the Pachuca central midfielder, was great against Ireland. He, he's going to have to fight for some minutes, though, because uh, Jesus Molina's on this team, a player that, that Juan Carlos Osorio has mentioned multiple times as someone who could have success in Europe. And you also look at some of the new generation or Oberlin Pineda he's a little more attacking than Burrito maybe but but with Chivas always has a good performance and Eric Gutierrez his uh, club teammate so it'll be interesting to watch like you said Ivis it's a group that should be able to uh, to find itself in the final I wonder you know if they don't uh, I still think Juan Carlos Osorio is okay because of his World Cup strength um, but but like you said I think the final is success for Mexico for the U.S. What is success? Do they have to get to the final for this tournament to be a success or semifinal? Where do they sort of need to land? I think getting to the final would make it a success. Obviously, if you get to the final and you lose to Mexico, it's going to leave a sour taste in the mouths of, of U.S. fans. But when you think about if, if – and again, it depends on who Bruserina brings in for the knockout rounds. I mean, if you go and bring in veterans like Michael Bradley and Josie Altador – and and you don't you better win it right if you're going to bring in that the, the, those reinforcements. But I think getting to the final is the goal, and it's not going to be easy because again, if if, they, if things play out as expected, they're probably getting Costa Rica in the semifinal, and that Costa Rica team is going to be a handful. Uh, I think we'll see in that Panama game just how this group uh, is. You know, if if this group's really ready, and if this group is is one that Bruserina can just go go ahead and keep together for the knockout. So I don't think we should assume he's going to go and take six spots uh, six new players and bring them in I think if he feels good about the group and if he feels like this team is is clicking and coming together well I think I think he might only bring in a couple of changes and I think uh, one of them is Jesse Gonzalez I think we're going to see him in the knockout rounds not necessarily as a, as a starter but just to have him uh, experience the whole thing now that he has uh, uh, filed his one-time switch he's kept tied to the U.S. now or he's tied to the U.S. now uh, but beyond that though I want to if, if this team plays like they played against Ghana uh, through the group stage, then I, th- I could definitely see Bruce Serena saying, you know what, uh, Josie and Michael Bradley, all you guys, you know what, take a rest, take a break, see you in September. We're going to let these young guys ride us through the final. It's a weird tournament. And part of the, th- the reason that I have Costa Rica down as my favorite to win the whole thing is because, you know, while the U.S. maybe, you mentioned, could be reliant on the changes, or maybe not, depending on how they perform, I don't think Mexico is going to make that many changes, but could, you know, could well do a couple replacements, uh, you know, especially if someone takes a knock or if a club, you know, wants a guy back, or, or maybe, you know, Luis Reyes or, or even Edson Alvarez, one of the guys who was at the Confederations Cup and didn't see many minutes, you know, the, just the fatigue of traveling. 
the the sort of changes add another element. But at the same time, this off-year Gold Cup, you know, while I mentioned earlier that CONCACAF rules require you to call this, you know, your best team and you're sending your best players to win this competition, a lot of teams just aren't. And and to me, Ivis, I've made the point before that I don't think the off-year Gold Cups, the one that the ones that take place uh, one year before the World Cup. I don't know how much merit they have. It's it's difficult for me to see why we should keep doing this every... And look, no one loves CONCACAF football more than me. Like, I'll certainly watch all the games. Don't get me wrong. But I do wonder if this is the best thing, especially for the big teams. I mean, I think uh, some of the smaller teams, you know, this is what they're looking forward to. Even like in El Salvador, I talked to Darwin Serra and the captain. So, you know, this is something where we want to show that we've gotten past the scandal in the past. We've gotten past the bad results of the last qualifying. Canada the same way, where Zambrano wants to show, you know, we're ready. We're, we're, we're able to, to compete in CONCACAF. But for the Giants, this tournament just doesn't seem to really be of that much importance. I don't. I don't know if I agree 100. percent I'd say this, and you make the point, and I think that's the key point of this whole thing is that Concacaf isn't just about the Giants, right? It's not just about Mexico and the U.S. You have a lot of federations there that that make up the the, the whole confederation, and this is a tournament that that's kind of for the group, right? It, it gives those smaller countries yeah. something that to aspire to, and what the big group and what the big teams get out of it is they get to bring their uh, you know, quote unquote, B teams. Yeah, I don't know. We're, allowed, we're not allowed to say it. We're not allowed to say it. But it, it allows. It, it kind of. It gives the, these teams an excuse to bring a B team, and then not necessarily have to pay the price if it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, if if the U.S. kind of falls flat, I don't think anyone's going to go too crazy because hey, this is a young team. Uh, same with like a Panama or, or even Mexico, although Osorio is still feeling the heat from the Confederations Cup, but. I think that I think that works well for the for for Concacaf to have a platform for that next generation of guys. I mean, a guy like Orbelin uh, Orbelin Peraza from from Mexico, he's a guy who you know people who follow Liga Mekis they know all about him. He's great, and he's a guy who's got a future in Europe. But maybe the people who don't follow Mexican soccer don't get to see him. But now here the, here here's this tournament where he'll be able to be showcased. So for me, I actually like the off year uh, tournament. It's just you have to take it for what it is, though. No, for sure. You can't, pretend, you can't pretend it's like the real deal. You can't pretend that this really means the winner's the best at Concacaf as much as Concacaf would like to pretend that. But <laughs> right, right, right. If, you take, if you take it for what it is, then you then you can appreciate. It's it. like a big bake sale, man. It's like a you know like everyone gets money from it. You know, it helps fund some of the things that wouldn't get funded otherwise. <laughs> And, and you know you can sample those brownies, the Orbelin Pinedas, the the you know Kellen Acostas. You know you can see some guys who maybe you wouldn't see normally, and and, and maybe you know uh, okay. get a you little. You can sample. You can sample. It's like, a, like you can sample the burrito. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And who doesn't love a late night burrito? I mean, I'm not saying you have to watch the games late at night, but you know I will. Um, <laughs> no, my my my, I, I get it, I get it. I I just think the Asian model where they have a, a tournament every two years that that it's the or, or at least every off year, um, and it's the Challenge Cup with like the the all those teams that sort of need the 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 games, need the experience, that kind of thing. They play the big boys sit out, and then the big boys come in for the event every four years for the Asian Cup. I think it lends a little bit of uh, you know sort of gravitas to the tournament, I guess. But I definitely see your point. And look, Concacaf isn't going to listen to us, so. We're going to keep having these tournaments. They're going to keep being the U.S. probably, and they're going to keep making a lot of money. And look, we're going to keep talking about it all throughout the tournament. Ivis, it's going to be a good one. We'll be uh, in touch for the podcast. It'll be difficult as we're sort of bouncing around the, the country and everything, trying to cover games and everything. But but listeners, you know where to find us. And also on Goal.com, we'll follow our written material, some video stuff as well. So, uh, Ivis, thanks for joining me. Man. Any final thoughts ahead of the, uh, the tournament getting started on Friday? Uh, nothing much, man. I'm looking forward to that first game. I'm looking forward to seeing the U.S. play, and I want to see... 
what Mexico has in store with that group and if Kubo Torres can take advantage and show that, that he's back and, that, and that, that he's ready to kind of stake his claim. It's going to be fascinating. I'm watching uh, Mexico's outside backs to see if someone emerges. Also want to see if there's a, a spoiler, an upset, uh, a team that can sort of make a run. And I also want to watch how Costa Rica deals with the pressure uh, of, of, that's being applied to them back home. Journalists uh, are saying, you, you know, you guys are the favorite this time. You need to win this tournament for the first time ever. Costa Rica hasn't won a CONCACAF senior men's championship since 1989. Listener, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Hope you enjoyed and we'll be back throughout the tournament we'll talk to you then until then though enjoy the cold cup opening weekend and take care